With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Kedushin, Daf Chafhei. We begin two lines from the top, the end of the line. Save de Nezunya, the elders of Nezunya, they didn't come to the Shir, to the Torah lesson of Rav Chizda. So Rav Chizda says to Rav Hamnuna, go to them and tell them in a nice way that they should keep them inside of their house, they should keep themselves inside of their house, because they should be, they're going to be placed in excommunication because they didn't come to the Shir, they didn't come to the Torah lesson. They showed contempt. So Rav Hamunna went and he said to them as follows: My time lasts Rabban Lepirka. Why didn't you come to the Shir? Why didn't you come to the Torah lesson? Amar they responded and said, Amai Nasi, Milsav He said, Why should we come? We asked them a question, they didn't answer us. Amar so Rav Hamunna said to them, Did did you ask me a question that I didn't answer? So they they went and they asked him a question. Let's say you have a master who he went and he dismembered the slave's testicles. Is that is that going to be something that's going to allow him to go out free? Is this considered something that's out in the open or not? Because in order for a slave to go out free, so the master has to cause him a dismemberment of one of the parts of his body that are out in the open. So the testicles which are inside of the bag, and you can't actually see them, so is that considered something that's out in the open or not? So... Is that considered something that's out in the open or not? So Rav Hamunah didn't have the answer in his hands, meaning he didn't have it readily available. So they said to him, What's your name? So he answered back and he said, My name is Hamnuna. Your name is not Hamnuna, which Tlesis explains means a hot fish. It's a cold fish, meaning you, you're, you're not so hot. You, you're a little bit cold. You're a cold fish. Also, the Kamei Chizda. So he came back to Rav Chizda, Rav So he said to him, They were asking you about a Mishnah. The time we learned in a Mishnah, The 24 ends of a person's body, so on a man, All of them do not create any kind of tum, any kind of impurity, in regards to machia. Machia is a, is a sickness that's described in the Torah. And in order for a person to be considered that they have this sickness, which is a type of leprosy, so the affliction has to be visible all in one shot, meaning if you see it, let's say you have to turn the, your finger or you have to turn wherever it is to, to be able to see the entire affliction. So that's something that will not be considered uh, an affliction. It's not considered that you actually have leprosy. So now, so what are the different places? There are 24 different places where that's true. These are they. Russia it's both, the ends of the fingers. The ends of the hands and the feet. The ends of the ears. The ends of the nose. The end of the male organ. And the end of the chest of a woman. Yehuda says, Even the end of the chest of a man. Vitani Allah, we learned upon this, Bekulam, Evidates That not only is this true in regards to the sickness, but these 24 things also have a different ramification. These places that if a master goes and he dismembers his slave in any of these places, so the slave is going to go out to freedom. It's considered that this is something that's out in the open. Rebbe Oymi, Rebbe says, Afaseros. Not only these 24 things does a slave go out for, but even if he's been dismembered, and we it seems to be talking about the testicles, which is what the question was. Ben Aze, Omer, Ben Aze says, Afalashon. Even if the tongue was dismembered, so that's also considered something that's out in the open since. And Rashi explains that the reason is because since when a person speaks, so his tongue comes out, goes out and in. So that's considered something that's out in the open. Omar Mar, so Rechizah continued to explain. Rebbe Oymer, Rebbe says, Af HaSerus, that even dismemberment. Serus the might. What are we talking about when we talk about dismemberment? Ilem is Serus the get. If it's talking about dismemberment of the male organ, Hainu Givia. We said that already. That's what Givia means. El Allah, Serus debates him. It must be talking about the 
dismemberment of the testicles. So this is a proof that in such a case where the master did that, so that the slave would indeed go out free according to Rebbe, but according to the Chacham, they would argue and say that no, in fact, the slave will not go out free when the testicles are dismembered. Now the Gemara continues to try to understand this price. Rebbe, I mean, Rebbe says, Afaserus, even dismemberment of the testicles. Rebbe, and what does Rebbe hold in regards to Lashoin Loi? Would he say that in regards to the tongue, it's not considered something that's out in the open? Or a minimal, bring you a contradiction to that statement. Let's say you have somebody who's impure because he came in contact with the dead. So he's being sprinkled upon him the waters that contain the ashes of the, of the Para Aduma, the, the red heifer. So now it has to be sprinkled upon a place that's out in the open. Let's say someone was sprinkling upon the person, and he was sprinkled upon his mouth only. So Rebbe says that it's considered a good sprinkling. It's not considered a good sprinkling. When we say the mouth, maybe it means the tongue. So the Al-Svasav, it's not a good proof, maybe it means the, the, the lips. So the Gemara says, wait, Al-Svasav, Pshita, that would be obvious if it's talking about the lips, we don't need that, it's not a Chiddush. Ma'u de Tema Zinu Dacham Svasay. Kamash Mons, the Gemara says, no, it's not so obvious, because you might have thought that since the lips, sometimes a person will cover up his lips, perhaps when he sticks out his tongue, or when he when he folds back his lips, so you might think that it's not considered that's it's not considered something that's constantly out in the open. Kamash Malans, that's what's coming to teach us, that it is considered something that's out in the open. That's what Rebbe holds. Vahatanya, so the Gemara says, wait, is that truly the explanation? It's talking about the lips? We learned in Abraisa, Allah Shono, that it's actually talking about the tongue. Vahatanya, initially we learned in Abraisa, that in a case of Bechor, a korban that was brought, a sacrifice that was brought for the first animal that was born to a person, so it says that you, you can't have any kind of blemish. So but it has to be a blemish that's out in the open. Let's say it was missing most of its tongue, so that's considered something that's a blemish. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, here's Rebbe, Rebbe is talking about most of the part that a regular human being uses for speaking. So even though we're talking about an animal, we still refer to the tongue of an animal, the part that, that a regular human being uses for speaking as the medaber, the part that you, a person uses for speaking. So if that's missing, so it's considered a mum. So what do we see? We see that Rebbe holds that this is something that's out in the open. Ella Rebbe Omer Serus Lashon. So it must be that Rebbe says that what's considered a dismemberment that he goes out free for, besides those 24, even dismembering the testicles and certainly dismembering the tongue. Ben Azai Omar Lashon. And when Ben Azai says the tongue, he means only the tongue of Osiris Lo, and not the testicles being removed. So now, Sigmar says, wait, Umay Af. So what does Ben Azai mean when he says, even the tongue? If he's not adding on to Rebbe, but he's saying something different than Rebbe, what does he mean when he says, even? Sigmar answers, Akamaisa. He's actually going on the Chachamim. He's saying, besides for those 24, there's even the tongue. But he's not saying that it's true, that it's considered a dismemberment, that the slave go out free in regards to the testicles. Yihachi, Sigmar says, if that's the case, Nikadma de Ben Azai Beresha. Why didn't we say Ben Azai first instead of saying Rebbe first? Sigmar answers, Tana Shamala de Rebbe, Vikava. That the Tana, when he was originally ordering the Mishnah, so first he heard Rebbe, said on the statement of the Chachamim, and he set it up. And that's how the people, that's how all the students memorized the Mishnah. Vishamala de Ben Aze Vitani. And then he heard Ben Aze afterwards, and included in the Mishnah, added on later. But we don't change the original version of the way it was originally memorized by the students, because it's much harder to, to stick something in the middle of something that was memorized than to add it on at the end.
The Gemara continues. Amar Ula. Ula says, Everyone agrees in regards to the tongue whether it's considered that it's out in the open or not. Then in regards to impurity, so it's considered out in the open in regards to getting impure from a bug. My time up. What's the reason for this? Why is it considered out in the open? So Rashi explains, by the way, that in order for something to become tummy, in order for it to become impure from a bug, it has to be something that's out in the open. If it's something that's not out in the open, if it's not exposed, so that's not or a place that's normally exposed, so then it's not considered something that can become tummy, that can become impure through a bug. So the tongue is considered something that's out in the open. What's the reason? The verse says, anything that it shall touch. And since the tongue is something that comes out of the mouth, in and out, so it's something that can be touched, and therefore, in regards to the impurity of a bug, it's considered something that's out in the open. However, in regards to dunking in a mikvah, so a person has to wash his entire body, does he have to let the water go into his mouth? It's considered something that's inside and does not have to be washed. My time, what's the reason? The verse says he shall wash his flesh in water. That's what the, that's what the Torah says. Just like the flesh is something that's on the outside, so to anything that's exclusively outside, that's what has to be washed. But a tongue which goes in and out is not something that has to be washed. So everyone agrees in regards to bugs that a tongue is considered outside. And everyone agrees in regards to dunking in a mikvah, the tongue is considered inside. The only argument is in regards to someone who's getting sprinkled with the ashes of the red heifer. Rebbe compares it to Tumah and says that the tongue is considered something that's outside, and therefore if you sprinkled it on the tongue, it's fine. The rabbis say no. It's considered something. It's considered like like tefillah, like a person who dunks in the mikvah. The tongue is considered something that's inside, and therefore it would be the same thing in regards to sprinkling the ashes of the red heifer. The tongue is considered inside. So therefore, if you sprinkled on the tongue, it's not considered that the person has been cleansed of his impurity. The Both of them are arguing in the following verse: shall sprinkle the pure one shall sprinkle upon the impure one, etc. Rebbe Sava, Rebbe says like this. The verse says, The pure one shall sprinkle upon the impure one on the third day and the seventh day, and he shall be purified. So since we talk about purification, we use the word tame. So we compare a person who's getting purified through the, the ashes of the red heifer to somebody who's become impure through a sheretz, through a bug. And just like in regards to a sheretz, a bug, so the tongue is considered something that's out in the open, so so too in regards to sprinkling the ashes of the red heifer. Rabbanan Savri, the Rabbanan learn as follows from the end of the verse. And he shall be purified on the seventh day. And he shall wash his clothes. And he shall wash himself in water. This is talking about going in the mikvah. So since at the end of the verse it talks about the mikvah, so just like in regards to a mikvah, so the tongue is considered something that's inside, it does not have to be washed, so too the tongue is considered something that's inside in regards to, to sprinkling of the red heifer ashes. And therefore, according to the rabbis, the tongue... If you, if a person sprinkles, if the pure one sprinkles upon the impure one on his tongue, a person is not going to become, Torah is not going to become purified. Rabbana Nami, so the rabbis also, Nimiye Latuma, why don't they say, like Rebbe, who compares it to Tuma to impurity? Our answer is Tahara Mitahara Havle Lomelef. It makes more sense to learn it out from a mikvah because both the mikvah and the sprinkling of the ashes are coming to purify a person. So it makes sense to learn them out from each other. The Rebbe, so Rebbe says, Nid me in the tevila. Why don't we, why don't we, according to Rebbe, why don't we compare it to tevila like the Rabbanan do? So my answer is, V'chibes begad of hivsik ha'inyin. 
before we can compare the first part of the verse, which is talking about sprinkling the red, the, the ashes of the red heifer, to the last part of the verse, which is talking about the the going in a mikvah, there's something that happens in between, and that thing separates the two, so that you can't go and compare them. And the thing that happens in between is that the verse says that he has to wash his clothes, and since that's in the middle, so you can't compare the two sides of that verse. Now the Gemara asks, We said that everyone agrees that the tongue is considered something that's inside, that's not considered gully, it doesn't have to be covered with water if a person goes into the mikvah. We said everyone agrees to that. And the Gemara challenges that and says, Is it true? Did, does Rebbe agree to that? There's a story with a certain maidservant of the household of Rebbe, she went in the mikvah and she came out, and they found a, a, a bone between her teeth. And Rebbe said she has to go back in the mikvah again. So the only reason that this would be considered a chatzitza, a separation, is only if the water has to go, go inside the mouth. So how can you tell me everyone agrees that the water doesn't have to go inside the mouth? Here we see that Rebbe holds that if there's a bone in there, it's considered a separation. So the Gemara says, no. Everyone agrees that water does not have to come inside of the mouth. However, True, the water doesn't have to come in, but you need that if water would come in, there wouldn't be a separation. You need the ability, the possibility, the potential for water to be able to come in. And we find a similar concept, says the Gemara. Like Rabbi Zera says elsewhere, Rabbi Zera says, We have a concept in regards to the mincha offering, which is the flower offering that was brought inside of the temple, that there is, so you have a maximum how much you can have inside of that flower offering. You can't have more than six. 60 isaron, 60 measures. If you have 61 measures, the problem is that when you have 61, so you can't mix it properly with the amount of oil that's placed into it. Now the problem is you don't need to actually mix it with oil. So why do you need that it should be able to be mixed with oil? So Rabbi Zera says over there that we see that there's this concept that despite the fact you don't actually need to mix the flour with the oil, you need to have the potential to be able to mix the flour with the oil. So if you have too much flour such that it's not potentially possible to mix the flour with the oil, you're going to to have a problem. Thus we see that you have a case where you don't need to actually do the thing, but you have to have the potential to do the thing. So it's a similar thing over here, where despite the fact that the water does not have to come into the mouth, nevertheless you have to have the potential. Thus, if there's any kind of chatzitza, any kind of separation, if there's a bone between the teeth, so you're going to run into problems. Now, the Gemara continues on Chafhei Beis, page 25b, Kitanoi. This is that we discussed earlier, whether or not, if the there's a dismemberment of the testicles, is considered a mum shebegoli, a, a uh, blemish that's that's considered outside. So that's actually consi- that's also comparable to Machlokis uh, Tanoim elsewhere. Umach v'chasus v'nasu the verse says, in regards to a sacrifice, so if you have where it had, it's crushed, or it's squeezed, or it has gotten cut off. There are two different levels of cut off. One is completely cut off, one is partially cut off. Kula on the base and Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yehuda holds that these, this verse is referring to a blemish that happened on the testicles. Now the Gemara asks, wait, it's only in regards to the testicles, but not to the actual male organ? That can't be. This would even be true even by the male organ. So the Gemara says, no, this is, this is what Rabbi Yehuda means. All these apply even to the testicles. If the testicles are squeezed, if they got crushed, if they got cut off partially or completely, so this, this is a mum, it's considered a mum shibagali. So even though, 
even though when you look at the testicle, you can't tell the difference because they're inside of their sack. Now, let's be who the holes. It's considered completely. It's considered that it's something out in the open. Elizabeth Yaakov Omer. Elizabeth Yaakov says no. This is only true in regards to the actual male organ, but not in regards to the testicles, because since they're inside the sack, it's not something that's recognizable. Rabbi Yosi says that in regards to, to if it got crushed or got squeezed. So that's something that you can actually see in the testicles, even though they're inside of their sack. Not the Gvikaros, however, where it's partially or completely cut off. Begid in Bebetsim Lo. That's only something that you can see on the actual male organ. But you're not going to be able to see that on the testicles, because since they're inside of their sack, you can't tell that they got cut off on the inside. Now we begin the Mishnah Masnisim. Behemah Gasa, Nikas Bemisir, a large animal, for instance, a cow or an ox, can be acquired by transferring it from one person to the other, via its mane or via the bit in its mouth. Vahadaka, if we're talking about a smaller animal, for instance, a goat or a sheep, bahagba, the way it's acquired, the way a person shows ownership is by picking it up. This is the words of Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Leazar. The Chachamim say, that the way to acquire an animal is by pulling it such that it follows after the person. That's how a person shows his ownership. The Gemara begins. Darish Rav b'Kimchunya. Rav said the following: Jirasha in Kimchunya. Behemagasa niknas b'Meshicha. He said that not only can it be acquired by passing it from one person to the other, but it can even be acquired by a person pulling on it. That shows that he owns it. Ashkechinu Shmuel talmidet the Rav. So Shmuel finds the students of Rav. Amar when he says to them like this: Mi Amar Rav behemagasa niknas b'Meshicha. Can it be that Rav said that a large animal can be acquired just by pulling it v'hanan b'Mesiratan? First of all, the Mishnah says that it's acquired by giving it over from one person to the other. V'Rav nami b'Mesir Amar. And Rav himself also said, like the Mishnah, that it can be acquired by giving it over. Hadar be meahi, did he change his mind about that which he said over there? So the Gemara answers, so the, or the students answered, Hu da'amar ki hai tana. That he said, like the following b'raith, so the tani we learned in the b'raith, v'chacham and the say, zu v'zu niknes b'meshicha. The Rabbi say that both of these cases, meaning both a large animal and a small animal, can be acquired by pulling. So Rav said like this, understanding this for these rabbis. Rishimin Omer Zuba Zuba Hagba. Rishimin says no, that the the way that both of them are acquired by picking them up. If you want to acquire an ox or a cow, you have to pick it up. Maskev Lord of Yosef. So Rav Yosef had a question on this. If that's the case, according to Rabbi Shimon, how can one acquire an elephant? How do you possibly pick up an elephant? Abai said, the chalipin, a person can do it by transferring using the method called chalipin. Inami, another way. If a person rents the area upon which the elephant is standing, thus, when he rents that area, so he acquires the elephant along with it. Rabbi Zira says another way is, maybe our Ba'akalim, the person who's trying to purchase the elephant, can bring four vessels of his own, and place it underneath his feet, the feet of the, of the elephant. So, and thereby, since the elephant is inside of his vessels, Therefore, he's going to now own the elephant since it's inside of his vessels. Shamas Mina, we can deduce from the statement of Rabbi Zera, that if a person is trying to buy something and he has his own vessels, even though he's inside of the domain of the person who's selling it, nevertheless, the vessels of the buyer can work to acquire for the buyer. So, which is an argument in Baba Basra, says Rashi. The Gemara answers, you, don't, you can't prove anything, because what's the case of your Basimta? It's not actually where they're standing inside of the domain of the seller, but rather it's in a place that is a no man's land. So, on we continue on Aleph, the last four words. Inami another way that a person could acquire an elephant is by having him climb up onto these bales of hay that are more than three Tvachim high, and thus, that's considered that he raised the elephant.